1: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.
2: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, November 6th. I'm Ezra Wall. This is MPB Think Radio, and you're listening to Mississippi Edition. On today's show, find out if the state's universities are leading or lacking. The head of the Education Achievement Council weighs in. Then on Everyday Tech, find out what travel tools and gadgets you can use to bring high-tech flair and convenience to any classic road trip. And is the state making progress on social justice issues? Hear from a Mississippi native and Princeton professor on challenges and triumphs in the state.
3: It's going to be very hard to kind of move forward uh, when you have people who refuse to confront directly ugliness of our past.
2: That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi universities are making progress towards educational goals, but officials say more work needs to be done. The Education Achievement Council, it has issued report cards for the state's universities. The council was established in 2010 to help move forward education achievement goals for the state to monitor and report on the state's progress toward those goals. This year's report cards show the progress that's been made for each university and community college in areas like student enrollment and degrees awarded. The Education Achievement Council is focused on increasing the skill levels of the state's working age population to a benchmark consistent with the national average. Dr. Jim Borsig is president of the Mississippi University for Women, and he co-chairs the Education Achievement Council. He tells MPB's Mark Rigsby the report card does not issue letter grades.
4: That's not what this report card's about. This report card is intended to sustain the attention on the number of degrees that are being conferred every year. This is not an A, B, C, D, F kind of, of report card. And that's been the format for the report card since they were developed probably five or six years ago.
0: So it's more of a tracking mechanism. It's a spreadsheet of data. So you're not necessarily comparing University of Mississippi versus Alcorn State or Jackson State.
4: Right. That, that, that's not what these report cards are for. We're one of the few states in the country that publishes this kind of data on an annual basis and talks about it as part of the attainment goal for the state. One of the most recent initiatives that's related to the work that the EAC pays attention to is the compete to complete program that is targeted at adult completers in the community college and the IHL system. So it really reflects a lot of work from a lot of different directions that gets rolled up into maybe the, mo- the most important measure is the, the number of degrees that are being conferred on an annual basis.
0: This data is supposed to show the progress of educational goals for each university. Let's go over some of the data and the categories. Student enrollment, how are we doing with student enrollment?
4: Enrollment is an interesting number, but those students that are completing is really Completing a degree is really where the focus is. We're focused on those outcomes uh, in an effort to raise the educational attainment of Mississippi citizens.
0: Jim, let's talk about student progress: the percent of full-time students completing twenty-four credit hours within one academic year, and the one-year retention rates for entering full-time freshmen. How are we doing in those categories?
4: We are increasing on that twenty-four hours of semester uh, semester credit hours of work in the first year. That goes back again to the research, which is why a lot of these data are are presented in this report card, is that we know that students who complete 24 hours in the first year of college are on a track to graduate with a degree. We know those who enroll and in that first year who are not necessarily part-time, but earn less than 24 semester credit hours, that's another risk factor just like being a first-generation college students, And so we track some of these data so that we can see how we're doing on getting students across these milestones so that they can get to the finish line.
0: And how about the retention rates?
4: Retention has remained about the same. Uh, we are retaining, I think, about three-quarters of those who are, who are enrolled.
0: From what the data shows you, are kids prepared for college once they're leaving high school?
4: Everyone, I think, who has been in this work for the last decade has been focused on improving and increasing college readiness of of high school graduates. Uh, The Education Achievement Council, from the very beginning, has included representatives, and I left them out, uh, from from the K-12 sector in Mississippi. And beyond looking at the numbers, which we typically do in the fall, We also are involved in providing feedback and understanding what's being done to raise educational attainment. There's been a focused effort on making sure that students come out of high school able to do high school and and ready to enter college mathematics courses and ready to enter college English courses because there's not much difference, if any, between being work-ready coming out of high school, whether you track and do a career tech program at a community college, an associate degree at a community college, or a bachelor's degree at a university, there's not much difference between being work-ready and college-ready. And strides have been made over the last five years as we've been in this work uh, really focused on trying to raise educational attainment. It's one of those areas that that, that there's interventions that have been made and programs developed that takes a few years to mature. But you know, I can tell you from being involved in this over the last decade, there's been a concerted effort to help raise the college readiness uh, for those students that are leaving high school, as well as those that are in the workforce that are wanting to return and uh, either upgrade their skills or complete a degree. So it's it's really almost a 360 degree issue when you look at the number of returning adults as well as the, the high school graduates.
0: If you were to group them all together overall, what kind of letter grade would you give
4: them right now? You know, I would, um, I would give this system a B, and, and I wouldn't give it an A because we clearly have, have more work to do, and I don't know that we would ever earn an A. But I would give us a B because of the fact that we are pretty comprehensive at looking at this. We've moved into an evidence-based approach. There's a lot of innovation, there's a lot of problem solving, there's a lot of good thought that's going into this on every campus, and all eight of us have different missions and different approaches, and I think that that diversity of options serves Mississippi well, and I think that we are not average because of, I think, our work ethic and our commitment to teaching Mississippians, but our aspirations are greater than our reach right now, and so An A, I think, would almost indicate complacency and that we think that we're ready to tie a ribbon around this and and declare victory. And I know from my colleagues and those that are working on public university and community college campuses, all of us know we have more work to do.
0: Jim Borsig is the president of the Mississippi University for Women and the Education Achievement Council co-chairman. Thanks for being on Mississippi Edition.
2: Thank you. In other news, safety officials say it's time to check for uh, safety announcements on your vehicle. The U.S. Department of Transportation's National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is issuing an advisory to check cars for open recalls twice a year. It's part of the Safe Cars Save Lives campaign, and they urge Mississippians to check every November when setting clocks back and every March when setting your clocks forward. They say the issue affects millions of motorists nationwide. Stephen Ridella is NHTSA's director of defect investigations. He says the recall is of no use if you don't get the repairs.
3: There is no safety benefit if recall vehicles are not brought in for repair when it's time to get the free fix. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is on duty, maintaining a proactive approach to vehicle safety and advocating for consumers. Head to nhtsa.gov recalls for more information.
2: Daylight savings time ended Sunday, so there's a reminder to check for those recalls. Coming up on Everyday Tech, find out what travel tools and gadgets you can use to bring high-tech flair and convenience to any classic road trip. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: I'm Kevin Farrell, the host of Mummy Talks on MPB Think Radio. Each week, Nancy lotter anderson Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College, joins me and answers questions about credit, investing, saving for retirement, and all things finance. Also, we invite you to call in and share your successes in navigating the personal finance challenges that we all face. Money Talks, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio. Here's a great tip to clear the clutter going into the holidays. If you've got an extra car you no longer need, or if you recently upgraded your car and don't want the hassle of selling your old one, we have a solution. You can donate it to MPB. You can submit your donation up until midnight, December 31st to qualify for a tax deduction. And if that car's gotten too expensive to repair just to get it there, we'll come pick it up. Go by mpbonline.org and donate your car, truck, boat, RV, or motorcycle to MPB.
5: This is Everyday Tech on the Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilkes couture and Jeremy Thompson, and today we're discussing traveling technology. So guys, with the traveling season upon us, many families will be taken to the road. Let's talk about some ways to make the trip safer and more enjoyable.
6: Well, you know, this is an area that technology really can shine. Technology, it's meant to be portable nowadays. Everything we're doing is portable, so... You know, one of the first things that I'm thinking about whenever I'm taking to the road is, do I have enough battery power? So I'm making sure I have those charger cables and everything because your technology is useless if the batteries run out. But what's really great also is we've always got a GPS right there in our hands. Uh, So when we start talking about being safer, to make sure you can get from point A to point B and all those places in between, especially in areas you may not know that well... The GPS can really help you to make sure you get where you want to go.
7: So the first thing that I do when I travel is actually make sure that I have a lock code on my phone. And uh, I have a Galaxy, which allows me to put like a custom message on there. So if I'm traveling with somebody, I'll put that person's number on there. That way, if my device gets lost, knows how to find its way home. Hey, great idea.
5: Well, what about the Do Not Disturb mode on your phone? Do you turn that on when you're on a long trip?
6: I do, and the reason for that is because honestly, I I want what the feature adds, which is not to be disturbed while I'm trying to drive and concentrate on the road. Now, there are a couple of caveats to that. For one, if your phone is linked via Bluetooth to another set of speakers, so if it's linked to your car to where a phone call can come through there, even in the do not disturb mode, it will still ring through to your car, so if you're using that but what it really is muting is a lot of those alerts and your Facebook pop-ups and app notifications and text messages, so they will not disturb you or cause you to look at your phone while you're driving. If someone did need to urgently contact you, however, they get a message back that says, if this is urgent, reply with the word urgent, and it will go through, so it can override it in case of an emergency. Another really nice thing is, is for your passengers in the car, if they have that feature turned on, so if my wife's sitting over there, as co-pilot, she can actually turn her Do Not Disturb off to where she can still get all of her notifications. It's just mostly affecting the driver.
7: And uh, a feature that Do Not Disturb mode uh, allows you to let certain contacts ring through. So if you wanted to know when your wife called you or your mom or whatever, you could just set them as one of your preferred contacts that would come through.
5: So, guys, what are some essential tech tools every family should have on a road trip.
7: So in addition to your uh, jumper cables and your tire gauge, which you should definitely already have, um, you should have some sort of uh, tire inflator and also a jump starter, which can be like a portable battery that you can use to jump your car off without having to have another vehicle to do it. And a lot of those jump starters actually have a car charger included with them. So you, can, if, as long as your car is already running, you can charge it while you're on the road. You can also use uh, offline maps on your phone. You can download the map before you visit your location. That way, if you don't have a connection to the Internet, you'll still be able to navigate your way around.
5: Well, as a parent, I truly understand the importance of keeping your children entertained throughout a trip. So how can technology play a part in making that happen?
7: So you want to make sure before you leave home that you get all your books and your audiobooks downloaded and also uh, your Netflix app supports offline downloading so you can download uh, episodes of your favorite show that you can take with you. Uh, you've also got your portable gaming options like your Nintendo Switch or your tablets, um, which will also uh, allow you uh, quite a versatile gaming library right there in the palm of your hand. And Then, of course, you want to make sure that you got your music queued up as well well and
6: you have movies um also offline a lot of folks now have cars with dvd players or or portable dvd players that are out there and with some of the power options that are available you can actually run a lot of of those devices fairly easily in a vehicle that will allow you to defeat the are we there yet monster so michelle whether you're going across town for groceries or you're going across the country for that next big family gathering technology can really help make the trip more enjoyable a lot safer, and a whole lot more entertaining.
7: And you want to make sure that you remember that traveling is an experience. So be a part of that. Be, be in the moment with your family at times. Make sure to unplug and enjoy the journey.
5: We will talk more about traveling technology on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson... I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Join
1: MPB, best-selling author Jill Connor Brown, and gospel icon Melvin Williams for a celebration of Mississippi Vietnam War veterans on November 9th at 3 p.m. Seating is limited. Get more information and reserve your seat today by visiting mpbonline.org forward slash Events. This program is made possible in part by the Mississippi Humanities Council under a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities.
0: Not even lawyers are immune from automation. As algorithms get more sophisticated, it's changing the job
1: of the corporate lawyer. There are some entire areas of law where the whole practice area could be automated. Anytime there's legal work that is easily repeatable. Things like writing wills
0: and residential real estate closings. That story and the latest on the president in Asia this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
5: Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This
2: is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Ezra Wall in for Karen Brown today. Is the state making progress on social justice issues? It's a question officials at Tougaloo College are discussing all year. As part of the 150th anniversary, the college is holding a series of town halls, seminars, and lectures. The two-year examination was led by leading scholar Eddie Glaude, the professor of religious, uh, religion and African-American studies at Princeton University, spoke to us about the issues facing the state. Glaude is a Mississippi native, and he's a renowned author and chair of African-American studies at Princeton University. He tells us more needs to be done to face challenges and triumphs in Mississippi.
3: In some ways, we have to address the material conditions of Mississippians. In so many ways, people are working hard and finding it difficult to make ends meet. And those material conditions are, are of course, related to a whole host of other kinds of considerations, levels of education, the skill level of the labor force. And then, of course, the always presence of the history of of race in the state and what it means for black and brown people here. So it's interesting. I I, I always say that, uh, you know, echoing Richard Wright, that Mississippi is a metaphor for the country. And so the contradictions that we see here, the conflicts that we experience here, they're an indication of what's happening across the nation.
2: We're speaking about social justice, but in terms of uh, encountering this kind of imagery every day as people go out in public, what kind of an effect does the the mere presence of things like that have on efforts in Mississippi to
3: heal the racial divide? Well, it makes it very difficult. I mean, you know, people talk about it as heritage, uh, they want to talk about it as a kind of historical remembrance. But we do know that the Confederacy represents uh, a region that was in rebellion, a region that lost. And it seems to me that, uh, particularly with regards to kind of public memorialization of, of, of the Confederacy, that it happened at a particular point in our history around the time when Jim Crow, uh, racial segregation in the South, was was sedimenting. Uh, that it's part of an attempt to reconstitute a community in light of efforts to change the way the South imagined itself. So it seems to me that we're memorializing a period of the country that is dark, that is rooted in hatred. Um, Just imagine the swastika as uh, something to be celebrated. And for for me and for so many others, that's what it represents. It is an ugly dimension of human doing and experience. So... Uh, It's going to be very hard to kind of move forward uh, when you have people who refuse to confront directly the ugliness of our past. It's almost like a willful ignorance, you know what I mean? People want to stay in a space of innocence. And until we actually confront the experience directly, and particularly in Mississippi, uh, it's going to be very difficult to move forward. Uh, You know, like when Saddam Hussein fell in Iraq, what fell? Statues of Saddam Hussein. When communism fell, when the Soviet Union collapsed, what fell? The iconography of, of the Soviet Union, Lenin, Stalin, right, um, those folks. And so it seems to me that what we choose to memorialize actually reflects what we value. I think courageous leaders need to just simply say we are the United States of America. Uh, we're not going to celebrate that. Uh, we're going to celebrate what we hope and aspire to be, and that is a genuinely multiracial society where everybody can not only dream dreams, but make that dream a reality.
2: We've uh, heard a lot in our state over the last couple of years about a controversial a controversial House bill that became law. It's known around here as House Bill 1523. And I wondered about your, your thoughts of that. I know it's not necessarily a racial issue, but it's a big part of the civil rights conversation oh, absolutely. In, in our modern times.
3: Um, what we do know is that, you know, when you look at the general rationale around the Religious Freedom Act, when you look at the logic, it almost fits perfectly with uh, the rationale and justification for, for segregation in the 1960s and 50s. And I think anytime we find ourselves entertaining law that justifies and makes legal discrimination, we are in very, very dark waters. I mean, just be, be very blunt about it. It's discrimination. It's legalized discrimination.
2: So looking at the concept of racial justice, mm-hmm. of social justice, and the healing, and, and at least, if not moving together ideologically, at least willingness to understand people of different ideologies, yeah. is that sort of thing
3: possible? I think so. you got to have a faith in it. you got to have a hope. William James, the great uh, American philosopher, said faith is just simply running ahead of the evidence. There's no evidence to suggest that it's possible up to this point, but I think, I think we have to have the hope that it will. I mean, look. As long as we live in a society where white people are valued more than others, simply because they're white, and that the society is organized on the basis of that assumption, no matter what the inputs are, the outputs will be the same. If we hold the view that simply because of the color of your skin, you should be accorded certain kinds of benefits over and against some others, then we will distort and disfigure the kinds of people that democracy requires. So until we stop thinking that racial justice is a zero-sum game, that they have to lose something in order for us to have an equal and just society, we will find ourselves on this racial hamster wheel just running in circles. But I have to have the faith and the belief that we're coming up on a time where we will have to change or we will seal
2: our fate. Dr. Andy Glaude Jr., he is the uh, chair of African American Studies at Princeton University. He's a professor of religion there as well, back in his home state of Mississippi, and I certainly thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you for the time. Appreciate
2: you. In other news, Mississippi continues to lead the country in overall prevalence of diabetes. MPB's Ashley Norwood reports on how health professionals are working to increase awareness of the crisis.
8: Doctors are blaming a southern sedentary lifestyle as a reason why Mississippians get diabetes at a higher rate than other Americans. Mississippi also ranks as one of the most overweight states. Dr. Lillian Lean is with the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She says it's no surprise diabetes is so common in Mississippi. There
5: is really a belief that, again, this is with regard to type 2 diabetes, that how you live and move around every day can have an impact on who's developing it and um, how many can prevent it versus actually going on to get the full-blown disease.
8: Arena McLean is with the Diabetes Foundation of Mississippi. She says diabetes disproportionately affects minorities in the state.
5: You're looking at a state that has a significant um, population of Native Americans and African Americans and a, a you know a large Latino population now, and coupling that with the you know how many people are overweight in our state, it kind of leads up to a, a perfect storm, if you will.
8: McLean says the number of minorities and children diagnosed with diabetes each year in Mississippi continues to grow. November is National Diabetes Awareness Month. Ashley Norwood, MPB News.
2: Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining at 10. Now you're talking at 11. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs are online at mpbonline.org. You can find them on the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Ezra Wall. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for another episode of Mississippi Edition on Think Radio.
1: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark Online and Mobile Banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC